It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Zeno here coming up on the show today. Uh, we will get ready for Desmond Ritter week as the Falcons take on the Saints. As well, could there be signs of trouble for the Hawks in the latest on Dansby Swanson? That's next on A to Z. This is A to Z with Mark Zeno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. How did we get here? If you're not the number one pick, guess what? You have no guarantee. That's where you are. And it starts... Does that make me a genius? Yes. Now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you the time is now. Welcome in. We are live here on a Monday. A to Z brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Make sure you guys give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and Roku TV. If you ever get your Roku TV, download that Roku TV app. Check out all the shows on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Uh, we have a big week coming up as it is rivalry week for the Atlanta Falcons. They head down to New Orleans to take on the Saints. And yes, Desmond Ritter will be the starting quarterback. And while we get set for the game on Sunday and we read stories about Desmond Ritter and his first start in college and how he came in in the game and took it over and upset UCLA as a double-digit underdog and yada, yada, yada. Well, manifestly, what is going to happen here for Desmond Ritter uh, is he is starting an elimination game for the Falcons. And if you're saying, well, that's not true, well, it, it, yeah, it, it kind of is true. Because here's what's going to happen. Uh, and if you know tiebreakers in the NFL, forget being a game behind the Buccaneers at this point in time, because that's not really what is important. Um, right now, the Falcons sit at 5-8. and eight. They lose the head-to-head tiebreaker based off of division record to the Carolina Panthers. The Falcons are one and three in the division. The New Orleans Saints are one and three in the division. If the Saints end up winning this game coming up on Sunday, the Saints will be five uh, nine. The Falcons will be five and nine. And on the strength of a better division record, uh, or, or better strength of a better head-to-head record, the New Orleans Saints would have a uh, a, a a higher seeding than the Falcons. So even though they're five and nine, and even if Carolina loses this week and they're five and nine, and even if Tampa loses this week and they become six and eight. Guess what? You have three games left and three teams to jump, two of whom you lose the head-to-head tiebreaker on. And if you lose this game, you will definitively have the worst record in the division. Out of all, You'll have the worst division record out of all division teams. So this is an elimination game, period. If you don't win this one, you need more help than you can count to be able to sneak into the playoffs. So you've put Desmond Ritter in this spot. And I don't blame Arthur Smith. I don't. I don't uh, think that it has anything to do with it. I think Arthur Smith at this point in the back of his mind knows that this team is not going to the playoffs and that's okay. I think this is about what he believes is best for the short-term and long-term future of this team. Do, does he believe that he, that Desmond Ritter gives the Falcons the best chance to win now? Yes, he does. That's part of the reason why he's making this move. But the other part of it is, is like, well, it's time. Okay. Uh, we, 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 we did the Marcus Mariota thing. We tried the experiment. Uh, we had enough time to get him ready, and we'll see what happens. Now, this ain't no easy, easy task here. And, and and here's the thing, guys. We talked about this last week when the unofficial announcement became official, and it'll become official today when Arthur Smith meets with the media uh, and says it himself. So uh, that's coming. But the thing to remember about this is, is that 
you're not here to evaluate Desmond Ritter based off of anything other than what you see on the field individually in four individual games. Don't get sucked into this trap of trying to find a trajectory of what he's going to do and what he's going to be over four games in one direction or the other. Whether that's a good trajectory or a bad trajectory, do not sit here and trying to connect these four individual events as something that you can extrapolate out over the next two or three seasons and whatever. That's it just doesn't work that way. Especially since when, you know, we're all hoping Desmond Ritter can fix the passing game and you don't have an offensive line that can protect anybody. Ask Marcus Mariota how well the offensive line protects in pass protection. It doesn't. We know this. And that's okay. I think the game plan will be very, very simple for Desmond Ritter. I think it'll be very much one of those game plans where, um, you know, we look at him and we try and figure out uh, what he's going to be comfortable doing. I think they'll run as much as they ever have this year. I think they will try to keep him out of spots where he can get in trouble. And remember, oh, by the way, the Falcons really don't have any mismatches on the outside at all. I mean, if we can assume that Marcus Lattimore, if he's playing, I know that he's uh, banged up, but um, let's just say you get big on big, best on best, and Lattimore goes against Drake London. Who's probably winning that one? Who knows? But there's not going to be a lot of options out there for him. And if that's the case, Arthur Smith's job is to try and limit his opportunities for mistakes. I think the Falcons will try to take a similar game plan as they did in week one against the Saints, run the ball as much as you can, and try to keep your quarterback out of trouble. But what we see from Desmond Ritter on Sunday should not have any grand, uh, you know, sort of determination on on what you think he is and where he is. I, I don't even look at it in those terms. I hope to see some decent plays from Desmond Ritter. I hope to see some flashes where we get a sense that he understands um, and commands the offense. That's the biggest thing. And I said it last week too. Show me you can command the offense. Show me that you don't look nervous. Show me that you uh, understand what to do situationally, when to throw the ball away, when not to force a bad throw, uh, when it's okay to take a sack. Show me those things. Because I have to believe that from a talent perspective, the Falcons felt that Desmond Ritter had enough talent to be able to play the position a certain way that they wanted him to play it. And how much will he use his legs? How much will he run around? Who knows? I wouldn't call a ton of design runs for him at all. I would I would more likely let him take off if he wants to take off. And trust me, he'll have ample opportunities if he's dropping back to pass. But if I set the over-under at 19 and a half pass attempts, you think he's still going over? Because I don't. Unless they're trailing. And they need to throw, in, you know, into the late in the third quarter, into the fourth quarter. That's the only way I see him exceeding that number. If this game is close and the Falcons are within one score for the most part of the game, yeah, well, you know, I would, I would absolutely look at it and go. I, I think he'll be under nineteen and a half pass attempts. I just do. You know, I, I don't know that Arthur Smith would ever admit that he's going to water down the game plan or simplify it, but I I think it'll be a very tight practice plan this week. We'll see. Again, Arthur Smith, uh, you know, indicated that he was doing extra work to get, get him ready for this moment. 
uh, and practicing, but that is a hostile environment he's walking into. Make no mistake about it. It's one of the toughest environments of football to play in. And Desmond Ritter is going to have to go do it. And he's going to have to make it work for himself. So uh, while we're all excited to see what he has to offer, there's a lot on the line here for the Falcons. And, and I don't know if, you know, any of that's been explained to him, but they won't recover from losing this game if it happens. Now, if they win it and Tampa Bay, who plays Cincinnati this week, loses it, now all of a sudden the Falcons take on a whole different world at 6-8 and eight and Tampa Bay 6-8. and eight And look, whoever's winning this division isn't doing it with an above 500 record. That just is what it is. Tampa Bay ain't winning three of the next four. They're not good enough to win three of the next four. So if they go two and two, they're eight and nine. And they're going to host the playoff game, which is fine. They, they, that's okay. Don't, don't, don't be mad, folks, that a below 500 team hosts a playoff game. It's okay. They'll get beat regardless. But I'm just curious to see how quickly this game unfolds for Desmond Ritter and what he looks like going forward. We'll have all week long to discuss this, and we will ad nauseum, and we'll take quotes and sound bites and everything else and try to figure it out. When the game gets here on Sunday, we'll watch, and we'll see what it is. All right, uh, need to get to um, a problem for the Atlanta Hawks. Also, a recap of uh, an important event over the weekend. We'll do that in a minute. First, a word from our friends at BetOnline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You'll find all your your favorite events and sports at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can get news and reviews of every league, NFL, college football, bowl season, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting scores and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Um, wanted to get to this before we get to the Hawks because they have another game against Memphis tonight. It was uh, interesting. They got saved in overtime last night or the other night by uh, A.J. Griffin. Um, but this is a uh, uh, a situation over the weekend. Sorry, my, my hamster fell off the wheels. We were talking about the Atlanta Hawks. We don't want to talk about the Hawks. Um, Stetson Bennett finishes fourth in the Heisman voting. And it's where we all thought he would finish. Uh, I don't think anybody really thought he was going to do better than that. Here's the thing. Uh, and there was a lot of back and forth, and I saw it uh, on Twitter about, you know, what people are calling hate for Stetson Bennett. I don't think there's any hate for Stetson Bennett, and people have accused me of hate for Stetson Bennett. Um, I I would tell you that uh, it's not about hate for Stetson Bennett. It's literally about moving the goalposts for this award for one quarterback. You know, the, the Heisman um, the Heisman Award is an individual award that is statistically based for the best college football player. And don't give me the definition that they, that they write on the damn trophy. Like, stop, okay? We know what this is. It is the, the award that goes to the best college football player who puts up the gaudiest numbers. Fair. Fine. I'm okay with that. Objectively, Stetson Bennett did not meet that requirement. He just didn't. That's not hating. That's 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 fact. He did not bring the numbers of all the guys there, and including Hendon Hooker, who wasn't there. Of all the guys who were there and Hendon Hooker, he had the least amount of stats out of all of them. And then you want to come back at me with, well, look what he did against ranked teams. I, I, okay, I, I get that, but he has to play a full season. It, it's not a five-game award. It's a full-season award. 
I'm glad he plays well against good opponents, but that's not what the award is about. That's moving the goalposts. That's changing the criteria for winning the award for one player. It's not a team award. It's not. It's an individual award. Does it go to players on losing teams? No, it doesn't. Much like it's really hard to get an MVP in the NBA or in Major League Baseball on a team that's in dead last place. It's really hard. Why? Because being valuable, not only as an individual, but to your team, is part of the whole thing. So, again, I don't, I don't think there was any Stetson Bennett hate. I'm not mad that the guy was invited there or considered. To me, it just was moving the goalposts. That's all. It's not, it's not about how you perform against just the top teams. The award isn't just for anybody who, uh, uh, you know, happens to be on a team that's only lost one game in the last, you know, 24 games, 25 games, whatever it is. It's not what the award is about. It's an individual award that goes to the best player with the gaudiest stats. That's it. That's what it's all about. So, you know. All right, uh, let's move on here from Stetson Bennett to the Atlanta Hawks. And I talked about this when we got the news that Deontay Murray was going to go down uh, and be out for two weeks, maybe even longer. I wondered about how the defense would perform and how things would change. Well, in the two-game sample set we have, the Hawks have given up 120 and 122. Now, granted, uh, call it what it is, that was uh, – an overtime game against the Bulls, so you could say they only gave up 110, but you know, you're still in that range where it's going to start to get problematic for the Hawks. They're going to take on a Memphis team tonight in Memphis um, that, while not as uh, potent as they were last year overall, it's still kind of early, but you know, it's like a middle of the road offensive team right now. They still got players who can play and they still can find the bucket and fill it up rather quickly. So I'm curious to see how the defense starts to look. Um, look to the number here. The total tonight is 227. Uh, I got to double check the team totals to see where they are. But, you know, uh, that to me can start to be a little bit of a problem when it comes to, uh, you know, how this team is going to hold up over the next couple of weeks without them. Trey, once again, by the way, had a really bad shooting night against Chicago. So two of the last three, he's been bad. Uh, 27% last night from the field, and then uh, 25% from three and only had 19 points. Does have 14 assists, so that's good. you know. But Trey continues to struggle from the field. I want to see how this starts to change again. Now that he has the ball in his hands more often than not, how much will this you know, really affect? Um, or I shouldn't say affect because that sounds like it's going to make it negative. It could be really positive. Um, but how much is going to change what goes on? So, you know, again, I, I, uh, I, I think the Hawks are a little bit of an enigma right now, and they've got some things to clear up, and they certainly have to figure out a way uh, to start to stockpile wins and put themselves in a better situation than where they are right now. It really is uh, – uh, it's telling – how they're going to play or going forward. And it's all, by the way, too, in the, in the inbound last night, they took Trey off the inbound um, to go to A.J. Griffin. And uh, that, that to me, was an interesting move by Nate McMillan because I don't, I don't know that a lot of people would have expected it to go that way. But uh, 
there's a lot of things in a state of flux right now. So I'm just kind of curious to see how it all unfolds with the Hawks. They have a lot of, uh, a lot of things in front of them. So, all right, um, here we go. Let's get to uh, some other important news and notes here on Dansby Swanson, because there's something very telling about what is going on with him right now and the fact that he hasn't signed yet. That in a moment, first a word from our friends at the Locked On Sports Today podcast. We appreciate you guys making Locked On Falcons your first listen. Got to do that all week long. Aaron's going to have some great shows for you. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get to Dansby and a quick prayer, now it's time for a shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the shovel of wisdom. Every day, we got to set somebody straight for saying or doing something stupid. We do it right here. You can do so on my Twitter account, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Just use the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. And today, my shovel goes to Georgia State High School officials. (laughs) Officiating officials, all the above. You might have seen this uh, if you have been floating around the interwebs here. But um, the Georgia High School... uh, Association GHSA uh, championships for football were this weekend. And um, there was a game between Cedar Grove and Sandy Creek. There was under a minute left in the fourth quarter. Cedar Grove is a 17-14 lead. And in what may be one of the worst officiating calls I've ever seen, it was a third and goal situation. Cedar Grove, again, with a lead. Sandy Creek quarterback takes a snap out of like a shotgun pistol, runs the ball, and then clearly gets stopped very short of the goal line. In fact, tackled outside of the one-yard line. And somehow, somehow, the official from the end, you know where they stand on the sideline, comes in with his arms raised up for a touchdown. It was an awful call. It was embarrassing. Uh, The fact that nobody fixed it was wrong. And look, I'm not saying definitively Cedar Grove would have won the game because it would have been fourth down and they could have run into the play and they could have gotten in. You just can't take – the game away from kids on something like that, where it was definitively not a touchdown. There was nothing. I mean, I've seen several different angles of it. Not only the one from behind in the television angle, but the one from down the goal line, it wasn't close. And full disclosure, like it took me a little while to figure out what the heck was happening when everybody was talking about it. I'm like, what's, what's the deal? You know? Uh, and Oh yeah, they called that a touchdown. And I couldn't figure out why. And, and Cedar Grove players were beside themselves as they should have been. They got jobbed. Uh, and it, it was really, really bad. It was really, really bad. And again, you can see even on the thread of one of them, you could see where the, uh, uh, the shot down the goal line just is everything, uh, because the, the young man isn't even close. And, uh, that is really, really disappointing. And, you know, I get rest for human, they make mistakes, but that's, that's pretty embarrassing and they need to do better. Okay. Uh, let's move on here. Dansby Swanson, still not signed yet. Um, Carlos Correa is still not signed yet either, so there is that. But it is kind of telling that we're not hearing much of anything from Dansby. You know, you get the sense that as this goes on day by day, a lot of us are starting to feel like he is more and more 
getting closer to going away from coming back to the Braves. You feel like this would have been done already. Um, I'm not really sure what the consternation is about, you know, uh, him coming back. All I can, all I can really think of is um, that he is busy getting married this weekend because that's what he did. Uh, he, he ended up marrying uh, a woman who plays for, uh, the National Women's Soccer League team, the Chicago Red Stars. Uh, her name is, I can't forget, I can't remember what it is. What's her name? I don't know. It doesn't say it. Uh, Abby something, I think. Regardless. So maybe that's why he hasn't signed yet. Maybe that's why, because he's just been focusing on his wedding for the last week, and this this isn't really a priority right now. That that could be fair. The thing is, we hear a little bit of rumors about the Dodgers. Um, and... The matchup with Swanson and the Dodgers seems to fit a little bit better than Correa simply because Correa, you know, um, might be looked at a little bit sideways because of the 2017 Astros cheating scandal uh, that Correa was part of them that beat the Dodgers uh, in the World Series. So, um, John Heyman of the New York Post reports that. Swanson and the Dodgers could be a match. He also says other teams like the Cubs are involved. And uh, the Cubs are interesting because, again, he just married a woman who plays for the Chicago Red Stars. So there is something there. But it also reunites Swanson and Freeman if he goes to L.A. All that stuff is on the table. I I really am just kind of curious as to why uh, it has been really, really quiet. One executive, and again, this is uh, uh, quoting CBSSports.com, said the Braves are either, quote, stealthy or quiet. I'd probably lean towards stealthy. That seems more of the style of uh, our good buddy Alex Anthopoulos. But the longer it's out there, you start to feel more and more like Dansby's not coming back. And that's unfortunate. And when you take away the shift now that's gone in Major League Baseball that you can't do it, Dansby's defense takes a higher premium. Um, and again, maybe he's waiting on the Braves to get back to him with a counteroffer that he's given them. I don't know. Like I said last week, it does seem like um, the Braves are repeating the same mistake that they did with Freddie Freeman. And oh, by the way, you want to hear something funny? Uh, and this happened late last night. So I originally tweeted that out. I think it was on Friday. Uh, I said, is it me or... Does it feel like the Braves are making the same mistake with Dansby they made with Freddie? Haggling over the six years seems not a valid reason to let Swanson walk. The shortstop market tells us that six years isn't a bad deal. And some guy named Michael Murphy, who tweets that at SmurphyGold817, tweeted me back on Friday and said, they didn't make a mistake, LMAO. Last night, Chelsea Freeman, uh, Freddie Freeman's wife, liked that tweet, <laughs> which was interesting. I don't know why. It felt like it was interesting. All of a sudden, when I popped my talent, I was like, Chelsea Freeman? What? Is that that? Is that that Chelsea Freeman? I'm like, oh, yeah, proud wife to Freddie Freeman. I'm to Charlie Brandon and Maximus. Yeah. Following two people. Uh, 57.9 thousand followers. Yeah. So, who knows? Uh, we'll see where Dansby ends up. If I had to hedge right now, I'd probably guess that he ends up in L.A. Just a guess. But, and what the Braves do from there, we'll see. I think it would be a coup, however, if Dansby went to L.A. and Correa came to Atlanta. That, to me, would be 
probably more unexpected than you think. Uh, also, prayers up to Mike Leach, the head football coach at Mississippi State. Um, this is really sad and scary at this point in time because we don't really have any clear um, knowledge of what is going on. But Mike Leach yesterday had a uh, medical episode, uh, what they're calling a personal health issue, early on Sunday morning. Um, he had to be transported by ambulance to the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, and the university said no other thoughts at this time. Uh, there are some people out there saying it's dire, that it is not good right now. Um, Mississippi State is um, getting set to take on Illinois in the Relia Quest Bowl on January 2nd. And it looks like uh, Zach Arnett um, is going to be in charge of the program until football returns. Uh, Leach was at practice on Saturday before all this happened on Sunday. So, uh, and Mike Leach feels like, you know, a national treasure when it comes to college football. His press conferences are never boring. They're always fun. He's always got some little quip and, you know, he's a little bit old and grumpy and, and everything else, but, you know, everybody loves him. Um, and he is one of the better stewards of college football. Uh, and let's just hope this isn't as serious as they're saying, but, um, it looks like as well, they're saying that, that Leach had struggled with pneumonia during the season. Uh, which is, you know, again, bad. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But let's say some prayers for Mike Leach and hope he comes back. Uh, and then finally, before we get out of here for today, big props up to uh, West Point. The Army Black Knights take the Army-Navy game on Saturday. Uh, the first 55 minutes of it sucked, and it was terrible TV to watch. The last five minutes and overtime were awesome. Flat out awesome. Uh, and the streak of 16 consecutive years of it going under the total has ended. Where do all overs, unders go to die? That's an overtime. So, and that's exactly what happened. If you bet the under, you're kind of sick because that was a 10-7 game for 55 minutes. And you thought, you thought, you thought you were getting out of there with an under. You, overtime killed it. Flat out killed it. Want to appreciate and thank you guys for making Locked On Falcons your first listen. Big week for Locked On Falcons. Desmond Ritter starting at a quarterback for your next listen. Make sure you check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back tomorrow for a Tuesday edition of A to Z. Appreciate you guys joining me. Have a wonderful Monday. Don't take any crap from anybody. See you. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.